Johnny's in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement thinking about the government. The man in a trench coat batch out laid off. Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. Got Labor and Love, and this is The B. You're listening to Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm on your computer. 2781 21st Street. And the show is Labor and Love, where we talk about, by, for, and about working people. And um, as we say every week, if one person worked for a dollar they didn't get, another person got a dollar they didn't work for. If one person got a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. Or we tell you, if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. We got a birthday today.
for them, Native Americans, that they didn't chase the crazy bald heads out of town right away, first contact. Build your penitentiaries, we build your schools, brainwash education, to make us the fools, it is your reward for our love. Telling us of your God above, we gonna chase those crazy, chase those crazy bumpers, chase those crazy bullets out of the yard. Bob Marley, February 6th, celebrating Bob Marley's birthday today. What else we got going on today? Emma Tenayuka, la pasionara de los trabajadores, labor hero. Emma Tenayuka. On the labor history calendar, we have the gold rush. You wouldn't normally think of. A gold rush is a labor situation, but it definitely was. And it definitely was a situation where white workers routinely uh, kicked people of color and Latinos out of the diggings, especially if they had a good claim. Okay, we're still in the middle of a, of a drought. Let's hear Brother Charlie Morgan sing to Excuse me. In New Zealand I read a magazine Something nasty crossed my eye the earth that fed me in California was turning cracked and dry. 
New Zealand ferns are always green, it rains more there than it should. I looked to the cloud that was raining on me and said, go where you can do some good. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. Met a guy from San Francisco in a railway ticket line. He said the Grateful Dead was alive and well, but the weather wasn't so fine. Nobody had a garden, nothing lived but weeds. The earth looked like some kind of feverish person who'd caught a strange disease. He said the reservoirs are empty, cattle dying too. Every tongue is reaching out to sip the morning dew. And they say the fields and valleys are turning green to brown. That the farmers walk a dry and dusty mile in every farm in town. Clouds stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. I stared up to the diamond stars one cashmere night. Black velvet sky and a raging river was no other sound or sight. The Big Dipper hung up above the river and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry, I said to the Dipper by name. Reach down and kiss that raging river and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. People and the animals like to gather where water flows. A beer, some tea, or a water hole, it's there where something grows. And remember the music water makes, the rainy pool and the circle dance. The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall, the laughing creek that feeds the plants. Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned. Tragedies continue to show what we still got to learn. Can't waste away the ocean, water, air, or land. If we upset this sacred ground, we won't have any place to stand. So reach down and kiss the raging river and fly across the sky. And spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her die. What time is it? Ask Las Cafeteras. It's movement time.
Mr. Bugs got it all wrong, so I come to you with a song. In 1810, con el gran grito de pasión, se levantaron con razón. Black and brown fighting together on a day I'll always remember. En el 5 de mayo, con el grito de gallo, black, white, and brown bleeding together on a day I'll always remember. Because really, it hasn't been that long, so just in case Cat Williams had you guessing, let me kick y'all down with a little history lesson. In the 19th century, while the U.S. promoted degradation, annihilation with its military and U.S. Navy, Mexico got rid of the caste system, voted for its first indigenous president, even getting rid of legalized slavery. The Underground Railroad also ran south, which led black folks to freedom, with Mexico right there to receive them. Mexican men with Pancho Villa and Zapata fighting for tierra, libertad y techo with Adelitas on the front line with bullets across their pecho. In the year 1946, it was the Mendez family that fought against segregation in schools. Because before that, they treated us like fools, pushing us out into gangs, wars, and drugs. And then they get pissed off at us when we become crips and bloods, traviesos, zutsuras, pachucos, folkloristas, punks, bomberas, haraneras in the heat, haraneras with the bomb as beats, talking about what's really going on in the streets. In the 60s, in the streets of Oakland, California, Black Panthers organized for answers. Young lords in New York fought against wars. The Stonewall Rebellion remained true for the rights of the LGBTQ. AIM, who was down for native rights with no shame in their game. Brown berets in LA learning how to fight and doing what's right. In the Campos of California, Filipinos were the first ones to lay down the boycott. Screaming in solidarity, Isang Baksak. One rise, one fall. You come for one, you come for all. Today, Arizona and Alabama, they don't play. Carving out racist laws like it's made out of clay. I stand with Emmett, Trayvon, Oscar, and Bell. With my mentor, Mumia, up in the cell. Telling you I'd rather be blind than to stay quiet on a day where my people are hunt down like prey. ability to breathe is directly connected to my ability to see it's not about me never was never will be it's about we it's time to move y'all it's movement time indeed it is that was las cafeteras with it's movement time before that, Brother Charlie Morgan with his uh, eloquent song about drought years in California, which we are in the middle of, by the way, lest we forget, California drought song. And before that, Bob Marley celebrating his birthday February 6th. And that was... Uh, those crazy bald heads in which he takes a long look, a historic look at the arrival of uh, Europeans. This is Labor and Love. You're on uh, 
our wavelength today, the Mutiny Radio wavelength. Hopefully, um, you're familiar with Mutiny Radio, but if you're not, it's really a community center dedicated to the arts and dedicated to cutting-edge art. Comedy, video, independent radio, art, uh, uh, graphic and plastic art. You can find it all here at Mutiny Radio, and it's not the dead but, uh, but unburied kind of culture that uh, we're constantly told is the only real culture. No. Here at Mutiny Radio, you'll see cutting edge stuff that's happening now in the present. Come on and check it out. See what you think of it. Mutiny Radio. Okay, we had Las Cafeteras. It's movement time. What, what, what do we got today? We got, uh, besides what I mentioned, we've got labor notes where Uber drivers <clears throat> now have the right to organize and unionize. We have uh, memories of Pete Seeger, who died this day, uh, January 28th, I believe, two years ago. I have some of his work. As usual, we'll have your radio labor, world labor report, and the national labor report from uh, Workers Independent News. A great Chicano poet, Martin Espada, reading some of his work. Following up on our uh, Francisco Exalarcón feature last week. Plus, we're all we're all sort of immersed in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Such an attraction! Uh, I went down there with my grandson this week, and it's amazing how much money there is in uh, the National Football League. The number of people who were hired to work, which is a good thing. A lot of, a lot of people uh, got a couple of paydays out of this. But the immense expenditure. And then the commissioner of the National Football League gives a speech, and it's called State of the League. You get it? State of the Union, State of the State. State of the League. Hello. This is football. This is a game. Well, it's far more than that. It's far more than that. It's a cultural happening. And it's uh, just amazing. This is where all the money is, y'all. This is where all the corporate money is. All right, well, let's listen to our win labor report, and then we'll go to our world report. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. SEIU President Mary Kay Henry says with an Iowa win, labor unions and progressives supporting Hillary Clinton are an unstoppable ground force charging forward from Iowa to New Hampshire into Super Tuesday and beyond. 
to share the message that when Hillary Clinton wins, we all win. National Nurses United Executive Director Roseanne DeMauro says Bernie Sanders' dramatic finish in Iowa was a phenomenal victory, and she says the Sanders campaign has the people and the movement. She says the Iowa vote was an incredible night for the massive yearning for the people against big money, and she says the Sanders campaign is the most inspiring she has seen in her life. 600 good American jobs are at stake in Chicago as Mondelez, Nabisco's parent company, sends those jobs to Mexico. Ron Baker of the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers, Local 300, says the company got millions of dollars in tax relief but still decided to chase low wages in Mexico anyway. It's not only the 600 jobs here, which are good-paying jobs, but it's also the two to three times that many spin-off jobs of suppliers. So this will devastate the South Side, which would be direly impacted by these moves. With the first round of 277 layoffs expected March 21st, the union is fighting to save the jobs. And if the jobs go, Baker says Americans shouldn't buy Mexican-made Nabisco products. The Chicago Teachers Union says mass layoffs and cutting teacher pay by 7% by stopping pension pickups is an act of war by the Chicago School Board. The union rallied this week against the mass layoffs and cuts. CTU wants to see a sustainable revenue plan to stabilize funding for Chicago schools as teachers negotiate on a new labor contract. CTU says the union has tried for months to work out a new deal, but the school district proposals fall far short of securing the financial stability that Chicago schools need. What they're doing is subsidizing their own industries for export. So they're, in essence, selling at less than the cost of production into our market, which is illegal under trade policies. Over the years, it's cost a lot of jobs, both in the tire industry, the paper industry, the steel industry. Stan Johnson, Secretary-Treasurer of the United Steelworkers, talking about Chinese trade practices in truck and bus tires. The union has filed a new trade case against China, seeking relief from millions of dumped truck and bus tires. The USW says that these tires are flooding the U.S. market, washing away good family-supporting American jobs. The Chinese economy was built upon export, and they have tremendous overcapacity, particularly now that the Chinese economy has slowed down to some degree. So they're flooding all of their excesses into the world market and primarily into the U.S. market because the U.S. is the largest consumer market in the world. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Doug Cunningham with the uh, Workers Independent News. And uh, let's go to our world news report here. Radio Labor. And the Radio Labor Report for this week. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, February 5th, 2016. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, governments from 12 countries agreed to increase corporate power as they signed the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The United Nations, led by the International Labor Organization, confronts the crisis of global youth unemployment. And our Labor Star correspondent reports on union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. Stand up, fight back! 
while 15,000 people were protesting in the streets of Auckland, New Zealand on Wednesday, February 3rd, ministers from 12 countries bordering the Pacific Ocean signed what is probably the biggest trade deal in history. The Trans-Pacific Partnership, known as TPP, will cover 40% of the world's economy. The countries involved include the United States, Canada, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and Mexico. The labor movements in all those countries are opposing the deal, which was negotiated during five years of secret negotiations. The organization which represents those labor movements at the world level calls the deal a major setback for employment and workers' rights. It is calling on the governments of the 12 countries to not ratify the agreement. Sharon Burrow, the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation, the ITUC, urged the countries to reject the agreement because, as she told the media, it threatens democracy, social and labor rights, access to public services, and affordable medicines. The TPP, said Ms. Burrow, promotes corporate greed and imposes unjustified and unacceptable costs for workers and communities. The largest national labor center opposing the Trans-Pacific Partnership is the AFL-CIO in the United States. Richard Trumka is the AFL-CIO's president. He compares the TPP to NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which was signed between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico in 1994, a deal that was also opposed by labor organizations. This agreement is not worthy of the American people and the American worker. This will encourage and give opportunity to foreign investors to attack our laws in ways that no U.S. citizen has. It's specific to corporations in special secret tribunals that they get to access and no American does. That's just not right. It's not good for the country. It's one of the old, tired features of NAFTA, and it's something that should be changed to modernize it and bring it into today's economy. It's a bad trade agreement. It'll hurt everybody in the economy. It doesn't just hurt industrial workers. It hurts professional workers. It hurts teachers. It hurts public workers by doing away with the tax base. Look, since 2000, we've lost 60,000 factories. When a factory closes down in a community, the tax base goes away. The high-paying high jobs go away. They're replaced with either low-paying jobs or no jobs at all. That means there's less revenue for government to operate on, less services for the general public, and the entire community loses. That's why this is so important. This is going to cover 40% of the world's economy. And it has a docking provision where they're going to be able to add other countries to this, which means it may be the last trade agreement ever negotiated by the United States. For the first time, the United Nations is marshalling resources across all its various organizations to help create more decent work for young people. Radio Labor's senior correspondent Seamary Ainsborough reports. Nineteen United Nations agencies are getting together to address the crisis of youth unemployment in the world. Almost 70 million people under the age of 25 are jobless. Meanwhile, 40 million enter the job market every year. The world economy will have to create 5 million new jobs every month if youth unemployment rates are to remain steady. The United Nations agencies are devising a strategy called the Global Initiative on Decent Jobs for Youth. It's designed to meet the youth employment targets defined in the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, adopted by the UN as a strategy for the next 15 years. 
The Youth Employment Initiative was introduced February 1st at a conference at the UN headquarters in New York. One of the main UN agencies which will be addressing the question of youth employment is the International Labour Organization. The ILO is the organization which represents national labor centers at the world level. It's strongly supported by labor unions. The director general of the ILO is Guy Ryder, the first unionist to head the organization in its 97-year history. Mr. Ryder was interviewed by Daniel Dickinson of UN Radio. So what I think we have the opportunity to do is to lever the entirety of the UN system around this effort. And then, of course, we have to get member states to take ownership and we have to reach out beyond uh, the organisations of the multilateral system. All of that's new and I think it gives us enormous opportunity. And the second element, which I think gives us a tremendous following wind, are the SDGs, uh, the 2030 Agenda, which establishes very clear goals for youth employment and which I think already constitutes a global political commitment to get this job done. Do you think it's going to work? I have to believe it's going to work, but you know, nothing is given in this world. To really advance on something as important as this and of the magnitude that this challenge is, uh, we have to harness political will, we have to mobilise resources, and we have to bring everybody's hands to the job. What difference is this initiative going to make to a young person who's on the job market now and is looking for a job? What can you tell him or her? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the point there, and it's absolutely the right question to ask, this is not something that's going to be sort of hammered out in, in meeting rooms in New York or Geneva or anywhere else. This has got to make a difference on the ground. But we will be engaging very, very concretely at the national and at the local level. This is the important point. So we'll be looking at ways to reach young people, for example, in the rural economy. We'll be looking at ways to help youth entrepreneurship. We'll be looking about creating tech hubs to see how young people's sort of inherent capacities with new technologies can be brought to bring them into the labour market. So drilling down to where the young people are, and by the way, involving those young people, is fundamentally important. It costs money to create jobs. Where's the funding going to come from? It costs money to create jobs. By the way, it costs a lot more to do nothing. <laughs> All of the evidence shows that if you leave young people out of the uh, global economy, if you leave them out of labour markets, the cost is much greater than actually investing to bring them in. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the more than 2,000 stories our volunteers collected in the last week. Our top stories section included links to news about anti-Trans-Pacific partnership events around the world, a general strike against pension cuts in Greece, and a one-day solidarity strike by French public transport workers after some Air France workers were sent to prison for protesting job cuts. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Slovakian teachers started an indefinite strike over wages and education funding. Indian municipal workers were off the job in a wage dispute. In Gabon, healthcare workers walked to protest their unpaid salaries. Unions across Colombia held a one-day protest against a long list of government policies affecting workers. Pakistan International Airlines workers walked to protest the planned privatization of the airline. In Zimbabwe, sugar workers struck for back pay owed to them and won. Brazilian airport workers walked for a day during the carnival season to press their wage demands. And in China, nurses stopped work in a wage dispute. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the strike by Canadian journalists, which has exposed the link between gender and precarious employment in the new media, 
the ongoing push to organize players in the Australian Women's Soccer League, and the gendered nature of safety hazards in Bangladeshi garment factories. Our health and safety newswire carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the violence faced by Australian paramedics, the deaths of two airline workers in Pakistan, and the torture of kidnapped journalists in Yemen. Currently, Labour Start is running six online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labour Start, reporting for Radio Labour. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Follow us on Twitter, at Radio Labour. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was the Radio Labor Report. All over the world, in every country, in every time, working people have stood up to make their lives better. You're only alone when you don't stand up. And remember, if you don't stand up, they'll count you as standing up for sitting down. Which side are you on? Okay, that brings us to a life of a real champion of labor and working people. Pete Seeger, two years ago on January 28th, Seeger died at the age of 94. Um, Let's read a little bit from uh, the New York Times obituary. Mr. Seeger was a prime mover in the folk revival that transformed popular music in the 1950s. As a member of the Weavers, he sang hits including Lead Belly's Goodnight Irene, which reached number one, and If I Had a Hammer, which he wrote with the group's Lee Hayes. Another of Mr. Seeger's songs, uh, Where Have All the Flowers Gone, became an anti-war standard. In 1965, the Birds had a number one hit with a folk rock version of Turn, 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 Mr. Seeger's setting of a passage from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Let's not leave out Trapped in the Big Muddy, song about the Vietnam War and how crazy it was. We had to keep going because we'd come this far. Although he recorded dozens of albums, Mr. Seeger distrusted commercialism and was never comfortable with the idea of stardom. He invariably tried to use his celebrity to bring attention and contributions to the causes that moved him or to the traditional songs he wanted to preserve. During the McCarthy era, Mr. Seeger's political affiliations, including membership in the Communist Party in the 1940s, led to his being blacklisted. The pressure broke up the Weavers and Mr. Seeger disappeared from commercial television until the late 1960s. He was involved in uh, cleaning up the Hudson River. He was involved in Vietnam anti-war movements. He was involved in labor movements and singing about the Spanish Civil War. 
young Pete became enthralled by rural traditions. His father and stepmother collected and transcribed rural American folk music, as did folklorists like John and Alan Lomax. Pete heard the five-string guitar when he was very young, which would become his main instrument when his father took him to a square dance in North Carolina. Friend of uh, the great Woody Guthrie. Let's play some Pete Seeger, okay? Instead of talking about him, we'll play three of his favorite songs, and I want to see if I can find uh, another one. That Okay, here it is. Which side are you on? This is the question we ask you. He said, boys, I'm not turning. I'm heading for a land that's far away beside that crystal fountain. I'll see you all this coming fall in the big rock candy mountains. In the big rock candy mountains, it's a land that's fair and bright. The handouts grow on bushes and you sleep out every night. The boxcars all are empty. The sun shines every day I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow Where the sleet don't fall and the wind don't blow In the big rock candy mountains Oh, the 
Buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees By the soda water fountain By the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings In the big rock candy mountain In the big rock candy mountains You never change your socks Little streams alcohol come trickling down the rocks Oh, the shacks all have to tip their hats The railroad bulls are blind There's a lake of stew and ginger ale too You can paddle all around it in a big canoe In the big rock candy mountains Oh, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees By the soda water fountain By the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings In the big rock candy mountains In the big rock candy mountains the cops have wooden legs The bulldogs all have rubber teeth And the hens lay soft-boiled eggs The boxcars all are empty And the sun shines every day I'm bound to go where there ain't no snow Where the sleet don't fall and the wind don't blow In the big rock candy mountains Oh, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees By the soda water fountain by the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings in the big rock candy mountain. In the big rock candy mountains, the jails are made of tin. You can slip right out again as soon as they put you in. There ain't no short handle shovels, no axes, saws, nor picks. I'm bound to stay where you sleep all day Where they hung the jerk that invented work In the big rock candy mountain Oh, the buzzing of the bees in the cigarette trees By the soda water fountain By the lemonade springs where the bluebird sings In the big rock candy mountain on the SB line for strikes that ought to call But Casey Jones, the engineer, he wouldn't strike at all His boiler, it was leaking and the driver's on the bump And the engines and the bear and they were all out of plumb Casey Jones kept his junk pile running Casey Jones was working double time Casey Jones got a wooden medal For being good and faithful on the SB line the worker said to Casey, won't you help us win this strike? But Casey said, let me alone, you'd better take a hike. Well, Casey's wheezy engine ran right off the wheezy track, and Casey hit the river with an awful smack. Casey Jones hit the river bottom. Casey Jones broke his bloomin' spine. Casey Jones turned into an angel. He got a trip to heaven on the SP line. When Casey got to heaven way up to that pearly gate, he said, I'm Casey Jones, the guy that pulled the SP freight. You're just the man, said Peter, our musicians are on strike. You can get a job of scabbing anytime you like. Casey Jones got a job in heaven. Casey Jones was doing mighty fine. Casey Jones went scabbing on the angels, just like he did to workers on the SP line. 
Well, the angels got together, they said it wasn't fair For Casey Jones to go around a scabbing everywhere The angels union number 23, they sure were there They promptly fired Casey down the golden stair Casey Jones, I went to hell and lying Casey Jones, the devil said oh fine Casey Jones, get busy shoveling sulfurs What you get for scabbing on the SP Sie geblieben, sagt mir, wo die Blumen. 
was ist geschehen? Sagt mir, wo die Blumen sind. Mädchen pflückten sie geschwind. Wann wird man je verstehen? Wann wird man je Okay, that's our uh, Pete Seeger set. <clears throat> we heard uh, great Florence Reese uh, song about the strikers in uh, West in Kentucky. Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? So I would say the same to you. Which side are you on, audience? Which side are you on? You don't have to agree with everything that your side does, but you got to have a side. <laughs> Which side are you on? Then um, the worker slash hobo slash migrant workers dream of a perfect world, the Big Rock Candy Mountain. And then a song about a scab engineer, Casey Jones. Union scab ended up uh, in hell shoveling uh, shoveling ashes and cinders. And finally, we heard Joan Baez uh, with her beautiful version in German of uh, Pete Seeger's famous, famous, famous anti-war song, Sag mir, wo die Blumen sind. I want to talk a little about labor history because we are going to tell or let a video tell the story of Emma Tenayuca, La Pasionara de Texas, and uh, the importance of labor history. History is a battleground, okay? The only way the, the ruling class can continue to oppose its version of reality and of history is by editing and sculpting history and our stories to fit their worldview. That's why the struggles in places like Arizona and Texas and many other places in the U.S. <clears throat> around social studies and what's taught in social studies, uh, how kids are taught to see slavery in one Texas textbook, they're called immigrant workers. Slaves are called immigrant workers. Um, downplaying the whole role of Columbus and capitalism in the history of our country and how it's ruthlessly subverted any kind of uh, alternative vision. It's so important that we know and we teach labor history to our young people. Otherwise, it will disappear. This is about Emma Tenayuca, La Pasionara de los Trabajadores, in January of 1938. La Pasionara, Emma. Then a teenager headed up a, a strike against the pecan merchants, 
um, let them tell it. They can tell it better than I can. Emma Tenayuka was born on December 21st, 1916, in San Antonio, Texas. Tenayuka witnessed a time period when Mexican Americans were allowed few freedoms and even fewer privileges. As a young child, she forged a close relationship with a grandfather who read her the newspapers and took her to rallies focused on the rights of the poor. Emma was 13 when the Great Depression began with the stock market crash on October 24, 1929. Her interest in social justice had already begun by that time. She liked to visit La Plaza del Zacate, where unemployed workers and families would meet and socialists would give speeches on the plight of the workers. In a time when neither Mexican Americans nor women were expected to speak out, she spoke out fearlessly. At just 16, Emma was already determined to change the injustices against the poor, and so she became involved in community organizing and was even jailed and threatened numerous times. At this young age, she participated in protests of working conditions at the Fink Cigar Company. The great suffering of Mexican workers during the Depression and the deportation of thousands of Mexicans through repatriation compelled Emma Tenayuga to join the Communist Party in 1937. Being a member of the party allowed Emma to undertake bigger struggles for the Mexican workers. During this time, San Antonio, Texas was the pecan capital of the United States. The pecan nut industry was making large profit, but most of the workers at the pecan factories did difficult work at extremely low wages. These Mexican-American workers dug ditches and women worked to crack, shell, and process the pecans. The women earned five cents a day for toiling in horrible conditions. When the bosses lowered the daily wage to just three cents a day, Emma Tenayuca led at least 12,000 of the Mexican women pecan shellers on a strike beginning January 31, 1938. Intimidation was often used to keep other workers from joining in the work. Strikers were tear gassed several times and police were deployed to prevent the strike from being effective. The police threw 1,000 strikers, including Tenayuka, into jail, but they could not hold back their struggle. Tenayuka later said, What started out as an organization for equal wages turned into a mass movement against starvation, for civil rights, for a minimum wage law, and it changed the character of West Side San Antonio. This pecan sheller strike is considered by many historians to be the first significant victory in the Mexican-American struggle for political and economic equality in this nation. Tenayuca's work for labor issues and civil rights predated Cesar Chavez and the civil rights movement. In less than two months, the pecan sheller successfully forced the owners to raise their pay. Despite the raise in wages for the workers, Emma continued to face challenges. The following year, 
on August 25, 1939, Tenayuca was at the center of what is still on record as the city of San Antonio's largest riot. As Tenayuca began speaking at the Municipal Auditorium of San Antonio, approximately 5,000 rioters stormed into the auditorium, throwing rocks and bricks, breaking windows, setting fires, and ripping out the auditorium seats. Emma was able to escape safely. Later that night, together with the Ku Klux Klan, the same mob that rioted in the auditorium also burnt the city's mayor for giving Tenayuka the right to use the city's auditorium to gather and for having defended Emma's right to free speech. Following this event, Tenayuka was no longer welcome in her hometown. Emma left Texas for many years, eventually putting herself through college in San Francisco, California, where she earned a degree and a certificate in education. As a result of her actions, Tenayuka suffered poverty, unemployment, and personal threats against her own safety. These challenges never stopped her from seeking an answer to the injustice that she observed around her. It wasn't until the late 1960s that Tenayuka returned to her hometown of San Antonio. Then and there, she continued in service to the public as a reading teacher to migrant students. Emma always focused on empowering people in the most basic and humane ways. The things that she fought to achieve in our society, like social security, unemployment benefits, minimum wage, equal access to education, were in her days called communist. Today, these are called social justice. At her funeral in 1999, Emma Tenayuka was honored by hundreds of her friends and loved ones. They offered pieces of metal or steel in tribute because they said that she was made of steel. Okay, that's our feature on Emma Tenayuca, La Pasionara de los Trabajadores. Um, one of those very important people in the labor movement that we dare not forget. In fact, come on down to Mutiny Radio. Right now we've got an exhibit of 13 famous labor personalities. We got Joe Hill, Harry Bridges, a whole variety. Come on down and see them. Labor history is your history. Come on down and see why. That's the the official name of the uh, exhibit. Is labor history is your history. Emma Tenayuka. Here's a song by Joe Hill about a guy who believes everything he's told, Mr. Block. Please give me your attention. I'll introduce to you a man that is a credit to our red, white, and blue. His head is made of lumber and solid as a rock. Is a common worker and his name is Mr. Block. And Block he thinks he may 
be president someday. Oh, Mr. Black, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Yes, Mr. Black is lucky. He found a job by G. The shark got seven dollars for job and fare and fee. They shipped him to a desert and dumped him with his truck. But when he tried to find his job, he sure was out of luck. He shouted, "That's the law! I'll fix them with the law!" Oh, Mr. Black, you were born by mistake. You take the cake. You make me ache. Tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. The money kings in Cuba blow up the gunboat main, but Block got awful angry and blamed it all on Spain. He went right in a battle and there he lost his leg, and now he's peddling showstrings and he's walking on a peg. He shouts, "Remember Maine! Hooray to hell with Spain!" Oh, Mr. Black, you were born by mistake. You take the cake, you make me ache. Tie your rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Poor Black, he died one evening. I'm very glad to stay. He climbed the golden ladder up to the pearly gate. He said, "Oh, Mr. Peter, one word I'd like to tell. I'd like to meet the Astorbilts and John D. Rockefeller." Oh, Pete said, "Is that so? You'll meet them down below." Oh, Mr. Black, you were born by mistake. You take the cake. You make me ache. Tie a rock on your block and then jump in the lake. Kindly do that for liberty's sake. Okay, that was Mr. Block,、uh, sung by Mats Paulson, written by Joe Hill. And、uh, Mr. Block is one of those guys who believes everything he's told by. His bosses. In this week's Mister Block,、uh, Block has just finished some farm work, farm labor. He's got an American flag in his back pocket, and the boss comes up to him and says, "You, Mister Block, you're the best worker of all the harvest hands. I know you're a patriot, and I like you. I am the owner of this farm, and I will make you manager. Your salary will be." Three hundred dollars a month. The job is easy. Take your pocket flag, and when you see a harvest hand on the point of exhaustion, wave the flag before his eyes and appeal to his patriotism. So he keeps on working. You can also use the flag at meal time and make the men swallow the rotten grub without grumbling. So he's. Talking here about baiting, bread baiting, and Block goes, "I have been a patriot all my life, and I knew I would get my reward someday." 
The boss says, you deserve it. Goodbye, Mr. Block. Now, Block thinks he's got it made, but then along comes a guy called Keeper. And he says, did you see Crazy Chris? He imagines he owns all the farms between the Atlantic and the Pacific. Poor Mr. Block, screwed over again. <laughs> so today on um, Mutiny Radio, we're celebrating, uh, well, we've celebrated Pete Seeger, Emma Tenayuka, and um, let's celebrate Lalo Guerrero. Here we go with Lalo. Thank <laughs> you. 
That was Lalo Guerrero with his Marijuana Boogie, reminding us of uh, one of our sponsors, Alta, Alta Vista Pharmaceuticals, Botan, Botan, <coughs> Botanicals. They uh, <coughs> produce tinctures made from the cannabis plant, five different tinctures, uh, blending CBD, the healing agent in marijuana, with... Uh, THC, the more euphoric, the high. So you you go from something that's mostly CBD, if you're feeling aches and pains, to mostly euphoria, if you want to just sit back and have a good time. So Alta Vista Botanicals, that's for Alta Vista at, for AltaVista.com. Okay. Alta Vista Botanical. So we asked at the top of the the show just how Union is Super Bowl 50. Uh, San Francisco, known as a labor town, or certainly used to be. This is from Labor 411, a website, uh, Labor 411. Check it out. How Union is Super Bowl 50. 50. Grab the pigskin and fire up the grill because after five months and 266 games, Super Bowl 50 is upon us. By far the most televised TV sports event in America, the Super Bowl is also a heavily union affair. Here we go, right down the list. The players, both Peyton and Cam are union, as are the entire Broncos and Panther squads. Established in 1956, the NFLPA, the Players Association of the NFL, has a long history of representing players' wage health retirement interests. Of course, there was a scandal involving uh, the Union Pension Committee, which steadfastly refused to provide help for players who had been affected by CTE, which gets in your brain from being hit on the head so hard. Two, the referees. When he's not pumping iron, famed NFL referee Ed Hachuli is protecting interests of his fellow retirees and their families. Via the NFL Referees Association, the union that represents NFL game officials. Three, the stadium. From the construction of the stadium to food and beverage concessions and premium in-seat food service, the Levi's Stadium, home to the San Francisco 49ers, is a union facility all the way. Four, the footballs themselves. Yep, the Wilson football cut and sewn specifically for the Super Bowl is made by employees representing, represented by Workers United Local 1385 in Ada, Idaho. We've been making footballs for the Super Bowl from the very beginning. The beer. Okay. Did you know how Bud Light is made? Bud Light, the official beer of the NFL. Parent company Anheuser-Busch InBev recently paid $1.4 billion to extend the sponsorship through the 2000. 22 Super Bowl. 
Bud Light is a union shop. Did you know Bud Light is union made? The grub that's on sale, the concessionaires, whether it's ballpark or Hebrew national hot dogs or the mission slash old El Paso chips and dips, many of the best snacks for Super Bowl 50 are proudly union made. The station host network CBS, like many of the biggest entertainment companies, is a union outfit. Even better, Super Bowl co-host Phil Simms, former quarterback of the New York Giants, was a member of the NFLPA as a player. So come to Super Bowl Sunday, let out a loud cheer for all the union sisters and brothers who made the Broncos-Panthers game possible. It's a union affair. Okay, today we're also celebrating also celebrating well, let's play it. We'll talk about them a little later. Um Four hundred years.
Stop the Train I'm Leaving by Bob Marley. And uh, I had some uh, bio biographical stuff about Bob Marley. Let's see. Bob Marley was born today in 1945. That would make him uh, 71 if he had survived. Jamaican reggae singer, songwriter, musician, and guitarist who achieved international fame and acclaim. Starting out in 1963 with the group The Wailers, he forged a distinctive songwriting and vocal style that would later resonate with audiences worldwide. Marley pursued a solo career after the, the Wailers disbanded. An international hit album called Exodus was he produced in 1977. One of the world's best-selling artists of all time. Let's see if we can get one more Bob Marley song here. Okay, well, I have to go on. Um, diagnosed with a type of malignant melanoma in 1977, Marley died on May 11th, 1981 in Miami at the age of 36. 36. Bob Marley. He is considered one of the most influential musicians of all time. He was a committed Rastafari, that is a follower of Haile Selassie, a belief that Haile Selassie was the conquering Lion of Judah, and Haile Selassie's name was Ras. Um, Rastafar. And I, I really want to play One Love. Let's see here. Should have had it ready. Um, Marley now, his brand is a, a big player in the legal marijuana movement. Um, He was born in Nine Miles, St. Anne Parish, Jamaica, to Norval Sinclair Marley and Sedelia Booker. Norval Marley was a British-born white Jamaican from Essex whose family possibly had some Syrian Jewish origins. He claimed to have been a captain in the Royal Marines, though at the time of his marriage to Sedelia Booker, Marley's mother, an Afro-Jamaican, then 18 years old, he was employed as a plantation overseer. Let's see. Um, 
Marley attended Stepney Primary and Junior High School. And when he was 10 years old, his father died of a heart attack. Okay, so check out Bob Marley. Um, Bob Marley with his song, One Love. Let's see if we can find that. Hold on for a minute here. Should be able to play it some way, shape, or form. This is from a, a One Love Peace concert. Well, it's not opening up. Pardon me. We'll play that next week if we can. The uh, this is Labor and Love, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street in San Francisco. We just want to play the song here. Well, it's not going to play. Let's move on to our next thing. So we're celebrating today also uh, one of the great American poets, Langston Hughes, born February 1st in the year 1902. Um, Hughes was born in Joplin, Missouri, one of the earliest innovators of the new literary art form called jazz poetry and one of the leaders of the Harlem Renaissance. Um, Hughes' family had roots in the anti-slavery movement. He wrote that while in, while in Lincoln, Illinois, Hughes was elected class poet. He stated that in retrospect, he thought it was because of the stereotype about African-Americans having rhythm. Hughes later commented, I was a victim of a stereotype. There were only two of us Negro kids in the whole class and our English teacher was always stressing the importance of rhythm in poetry. Well, everyone knows, except us, that all Negroes have rhythm, so they elected me class poet. This is Hughes' poet. Um, when I was coming up as a student of poetry in um, Berkeley, Hughes was not taken seriously as a poet, neither was someone like uh, Maya Angelou. They were uh, rhymesters, as one, one of my professors disdainfully said. Of all the poets that I studied at that time, Hughes is certainly one who has grown in my estimation. He was a militant, militant uh, poet and voice for social justice. The story goes that... Uh, 
that Hughes was working at a at a um, hotel. Uh, Hughes quit his position uh, as a personal assistant to a black historian, Carter G. Woodson. Hughes quit the position and went to work as a busboy at the Wardman Park Hotel. There he encountered the poet Vachel Lindsay, with whom he shared some poems. Impressed with the poems, Lindsay publicized his discovery of a new black poet. By this time, Hughes' earlier work had been published in magazines and was about to be collected in his first book of poetry. The story goes that he put the poems on a plate that was covered and uh, smuggled them in when he served uh, Hughes his food, uh, Rachel Lindsay his food. Hughes, like many black writers of his time, was drawn to the promise of communism as an alternative to a segregated America. Many of his best-known political writings have been collected in two volumes published by the University of Missouri Press. All right, so let's see. We did, let's see, The Ballad of the Landlord. Landlord, landlord, my roof has sprung a leak. Don't you remember I told you about it way last week? Landlord, landlord, these steps is broken down. When you come up yourself, it's a wonder you don't fall down. Ten bucks you say I owe you? Ten bucks you say is due? Well, all it's, that's ten bucks more and I'll pay you till you fix this house up new. What? You're going to get eviction orders? You're going to cut off my heat? You're going to take my furniture and throw it in the street? Uh-huh. You're talking high and mighty. Talk until you get through. You ain't going to be able to say a word if I land my fist on you. Police, police, come and get this man. He's trying to ruin the government and overturn the land. Coppers whistle, patrol bell arrest, precinct station, iron cell, headlines in press. Man threatens landlord, tenant held bail. Judge gives Negro 90 days in county jail. That one's called the Landlord Poem. Okay, another famous one of Langston Hughes called the Dream Keeper. Bring me all your dreams, you dreamer. Bring me all your heart melodies and I may wrap them in a blue cloud cloth away from the two rough fingers of the world. Check out Hughes. Um, let's look at this one. What happens to a dream deferred? What happens to a dream deferred? What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? 
or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust or sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? Okay, that's Langston Hughes writing about the experience. Here's another poet. This is uh, Martina Spada reading a poem at the 2008 Dodge Poetry Festival pretty much along the same or the same tone as Langston Hughes. of William Blake what is now proved was once only imagined imagine the angels of bread this is the year that squatters evict landlords gazing like admirals from the rail of the roof deck or levitating hands in praise of steam in the shower. This is the year that shawled refugees deport judges who stare at the floor and their swollen feet as files are stamped with their destination. This is the year that police revolvers stove hot blister the fingers of raging cops and nightsticks splinter in their palms. This is the year that dark-skinned men lynched a century ago return to sip coffee quietly with the apologizing descendants of their executioners. This is the year that those who swim the borders undertow and shiver in boxcars are greeted with trumpets and drums at the first railroad crossing on the other side. This is the year that the hands pulling tomatoes from the vine uproot the deed to the earth that sprouts the vine. The hands canning tomatoes are named in the will that owns the bedlam of the cannery. This is the year that the eyes stinging from the poison that purifies toilets awaken at last to the sight of a rooster loud hillside pilgrimage of immigrant birth. This is the year that cockroaches become extinct that no doctor finds a roach embedded in the ear of an infant. This is the year that the food stamps of adolescent mothers are auctioned like gold doubloons, and no coin is given to buy machetes for the next bouquet of severed heads in coffee plantation country. If the abolition of slave manacles began as a vision of hands without manacles, then this is the year. If the shutdown of extermination camps began as imagination of a land without barbed wire or the crematorium, then this is the year. If every rebellion begins with the idea that conquerors on horseback are not many-legged gods, that they too drown if plunged in the river, then this is the year. So may every humiliated mouth, teeth like desecrated headstones, fill with the angels of bread. Thank you. So that was Martina Spada 
well-known Chicano poet reading a poem about the homeless evicting the landlords. When will that day come? Well, he says it's going to happen soon, so... <clears throat> Speaking of football, this is Sinead O'Connor, and she uh, doesn't like the idea that her uterus is treated like a political football. I'm not no red football to be kicked around the garden. Pardon me. I'm not no red football to be kicked around the garden. No, no. I'm a red Christmas tree ball and I'm fragile. I'm not no animal, though I am to you. Like the one in Dublin Zoo Who lived in a cage The length and breadth of his body With a window which people would look through And throw coins on his back To taunt him though he couldn't move Even if he wanted to I'm not no animal in the zoo I'm not no whipping boy for you You may not treat me like you do I'm not no animal in the zoo My skin is not a football for you My head is not a football for you my body's not a football for you. My womb is not a football for you. My heart is not a football for you. I'm not no animal in the zoo. This animal will jump up and eat you. I'm not no animal in the zoo. And I've every intention of leaping up and getting you. La 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 la
countryside was cold and still There were three crosses on the hill Each one wore a burning hood To hide its rotten core of wood And I cried, Father I hear an iron sound They hook beats on the frozen ground Down the hill the riders came Lord, it was a crying shame To see the blood upon their whips To hear the snarling of their lips And I cried, Mother I feel the stabbing pain Summer's rain, summer's rain Each one wore a mask of white To hide his cruel Face from sight Each one sucked a hungry breath Out of the empty lungs of death And I cried, sister, hey, sister Raise my bloody head Hey, it's so lonesome Hey, the great Richie Havens. 
thinking about the Klan. We just lost Richie Havens uh, <clears throat> last week. <clears throat> Before that, we had Green Day with American Idiot, sort of the modern uh, corresponding person to uh, Mr. Block. Do you want to be an American idiot? I guess not. I don't know. I certainly don't. <laughs> um, and finally, um, before that, we had Sinead O'Connor insisting that her uterus is not a political football. Speaking of football, this is Labor and Love signing off. We're about done today. A shout out to Sylvia, my soulmate, who's here in the here in the studio today. We've got to get her on mic next week. <clears throat> that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> Hello to my daughter Vita, who makes me every day prouder to be a dad. And hello to my whole extended family. Suni, Nepo, Maline, Vida, and Solian. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu, the negotiating table, that is. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Bye-bye. I hope you have a good week. Good week and good work. This is The Bee signing off. Oh, let me add here that that's Kaori Miragi, a Japanese classical guitarist, and her version of the Internationale. insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to
to sleep. Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! Then it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Yeah, you. You look like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. Uh, is the radio talking to me? No, I'm on an internet podcast. Uh, I'm talking to an internet podcast? Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com with 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts. You won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at mutinyradio.fm until the internet falls apart. Oh, podcast God, I can't wait to listen to all these great comedy shows and everything else that's cool and MutinyRadio.fm before the internet falls apart. You too won't want to miss a bit of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival from March 2nd through 6th, 2016. Buy tickets now. Brought to you by Subliminal SF, PBR, The Eagle SF, Brainwash Cafe, Asiento, and the great people at Alta California Botanicals. Have you heard of Subliminal SF? Visual and auditory mind control. Graphic design, physical merchandise, live music promotions. Go! www.subliminalsf.com for the most amazing t-shirts you've ever seen, graphic design for every need, and live music promotion at some of the best bars in San Francisco. That's Subliminal SF, visual and auditory mind control. Go to SubliminalSF.com now. No 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere fun. $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings